Welcome to the Longest Day podcast. I'm Leah, your host and the founder of Broadstairs Consulting. We are an advisory and mediation consultancy, bringing clarity, focus, and momentum to organizations by helping leaders find creative solutions that work. We help rebuild relationships and facilitate effective dialogue. We are convinced that people matter and that conversations count, so we started The Longest Day, a series of conversations where we learn from the resilience, determination, and candor of our guests. As they look back on their longest days, our hope is that it will empower you to look forward. We hope their stories will be a part of shaping yours. Today on The Longest Day, we welcome Alex Reader, a recently retired professional rugby player. Alex played for the Rotherham Titans and Leeds Carnegie before joining Wasps for the final five years of his playing career. Tragically, it was cut short by a serious knee injury, but off the field, Alex acted as the Wasps Rugby Players Association official representative and has been a strong supporter of improving mental health within the game. Alex is currently an account manager for Computer Center, a public company quoted on the FTSE 250. It is a leading technology partner for large corporate and public sector organizations with a global reach. Alex read business management at the University of Leeds after completing his A-levels at Giggleswick School. We love a northerner on the longest day. Alex, thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's my absolute pleasure. It's a uh, you know, fantastic podcast, so really looking forward to it. Well, perhaps you might like to tell our listeners, uh, many of whom might be familiar with your longest day, um, but why don't you give us the story? So, yeah, so I was fortunate to be a professional rugby player for a team called Wasps, unfortunately. Uh, younger generations coming through might not know them in the future with their financial collapse. But, yeah, as a professional rugby player uh, for, for Wasps, um, I'd had a shoulder injury at the start of the year, which took six months, and then that recovered. And my first game back, I uh, was selected straight away to play Exeter Chiefs buzzing you know it's something you always get excited for the first game back finally get in there and you know into the thick of it with your mates and made some tackles hit some rucks hit some mauls I was like yeah shoulder feels great ready to rock and roll and then get the ball make a line break my first carry you know beat some defenders and then went to sidestep the fullback and I get tackled by the smallest person on the field the scrum half and uh, my knee gets spun, my whole knee joint, the wrong way, basically. It got fully put out of socket. Um, everything went, like, obviously, it, it's strange because I, I actually can't recall falling to the ground. I just remember being on my back, play had stopped. I had one of my closest mates, uh, Tom Cruise, who was next to me, just swearing basically like in mm. shock and at that point you're a bit like oh gosh what's happened you look down and your foot is straight your leg straight but then your knee and you can see your kneecap and your whole joint and it's facing the side and you're like yeah I'm in no pain so that's even more worrying and you're like oh wow uh A&E doctors run on trying to give me gas and air because I was in no pain I was like now I'm fine they're like right you know it's your knee this is really serious. We're going to try and relocate it on the pitch because for people that might not know, uh, behind your knee, you've got one of your biggest arteries. And clearly, if you rupture an artery, there's a big chance of death. Um, you know, you can go into shock and everything like that. And also, there's a huge amount of nerves uh, that go down. And there's a thing called drop foot. So if you damage too many nerves and your lower limbs, you know, your foot or anything becomes obsolete, well, 
you lose your leg. And that's why a lot of times in sort of car crashes and things like that, when people get amputations, it's not because the leg flies off, it's because they've damaged it to the point that there's no use having a lower limb. And, you know, when your knee, whole knee comes out, that puts it into that sort of risk. So, yeah, you're being told all this at a later date. I'm glad they didn't tell me that at the time, but you can see that, you know, you see when you've, I've seen people get injured, I've been injured, and you can tell always when the physios and doctors by their initial reaction. And mm. I've not seen shock before. And so when they look, you think this isn't great. So luckily they put it back in on the pitch, which is really rare. Normally you need to be having an operation to have it put back in. And that probably is what saved my leg because of blood flow and stuff like that. Luckily the extra chief's doctor was an A&E specialist. So he had done car crashes and stuff before. So he was able to actually do it on the pitch get rushed to hospital, all this stuff of having to get all these injections, checking my veins, nerves, everything like that, being told there's you know, a chance you're going to lose your leg, all this sort of stuff. You're like, wow, how times have changed. You know, you're getting ready for a game and next thing you know, you're being told, I might have a, uh, you know, basically be a pirate for the rest of my life with a peg leg. And you think, gosh, this is a, a harrowing time. But yeah, I had to stay in overnight with checking, you know, especially because I said if my artery was damaged or I, you know, went to shock or whatever, they also need to check on me. Get released the next day, have MRIs, things like that, and then get driven in a taxi home. So I go home. My partner, she was abroad. She was actually on a beach in Zanzibar in a, her medical elective. Uh, so she didn't know anything about it. She was obviously stressed wanted to come back but I was like what are you going to come back for there's no reason uh you know I can handle myself anyway get a phone call pretty much later on that day yeah it's the worst case scenario I had torn ACL PCL MCL LCL quad hamstring meniscus damage pretty much everything in your knee gone um so yeah, <laughs> they obviously try to put a positive spin on it all you'll be fine but uh yeah, you know, you, you yeah, struggle, don't you? But look, it, it's one of those things in your life that happened and you look at it and you think, gosh, this is dreadful. Uh, but, you know, dreadful things happen in life. That's, you know, it's the Rocky Balboa quote. It's like, how many times you get hit? It's man, how many times you get and keep moving forward. And, you know, you sat there and you're broken and you're crying and you just let it all out. And it's a stage of grief and... You know, I had my operations, I had to have three operations over a period of two years and unfortunately really had to retire. So it, it was a bit of a life-changing moment. You know, I still feel it now, the cold air, I've got arthritis in my knee. But then again, uh, you know, I think it's a combat sport. <laughs> you sort of expect a certain level of pain, but probably not the degree I'm in now, but that, so is life. You're very buoyant um, as you recount those harrowing hours, days, months. Going back to your longest day itself, what was it harder to come to terms with? The potential loss of the ability to use your leg or the career that you were so passionate about? Um, losing my career, uh, to be... <laughs> It sounds quite morbid now, and I've always, you know, I've always been the sort of a maybe like a Ricky Gervais type thing. I think you've got to make light of bad situations to almost laugh your way through it because 
you know, I'm an emotional guy and I always, I found in my toughest periods being able to make light of it, I was able to cope a bit better. So I'm a bit, you know, but losing my career when I thought there was so much more left to do and play and aspirations and things, that was really, really tough. You know, ultimately, I don't need my leg to sit behind a desk and work in business. So, you know, obviously it's, it's frustrating now, but it doesn't inhibit necessarily what I want, what I need to do in life. I mean, the only real things is maybe I'm not able to ski, which is things, the hobbies I wanted to do when I finished, or, you know, I wanted to play fireside football or play with my kids or things like that. You know, I'm not able to do necessarily those things, but you know, I can walk, I can got the air in my lungs, I can go socialise, you know, I can get on with that. But losing my career at that stage was tough because, yeah, I just felt there was more in my life to achieve in that element. You know, I was very grateful to have got the opportunities and to experience and had the success that I did. I just felt it was a bit short-lived from what I would have personally liked. Mm. How did you decide what to do next? My dad was a very successful business person, so, was, you know, I think naturally... When you grow up, you look at figures in your life and try and have a degree of emulation, I suppose, don't you? Uh, you know, maybe a brother, a parent, an aunt and uncle, you know, someone you want to try and replicate to some degree. And my dad was always that one. I always thought, wow, he's incredibly successful. He's always looks like he's got his life together and someone I've just always looked up to. So. I always knew I was going to go into business and into sales. So I did, uh, I was at the University of Leeds and did business there. Because um, my dad, when I was like, oh, I'm going to be a rugby player, I'm going to do all this, I don't need to go to uni. You know, unsurprisingly, my dad was a bit like, look, I'll support you financially because rugby isn't football. You know, when you're at the top, money's pretty good. Nowhere near still football sounds, but when you're, in the, you know, I was at Leeds Carnegie. Uh, when we're in the championship, the you know the contract isn't great. It's not nowhere near enough to be able to live on when you're an 18 year old lad coming out of school. So my dad, who you know, fantastically supported me. I was very lucky with that. But he said I'll only do that, but it's predicated on you going to university and getting your grades and passing. So I, you know, took that as an agreement. So I did both in tandem, and clearly, in hindsight, it's the best thing he's done because my career ended, you know, overnight and. I had to transition and, you know, I was able to use rugby as a huge stepping stone because of a lot of the skills, soft skills you learn in sport and team sports uh, that not necessarily you're able to get in other parts of your life. Um, you know, dealing with adversity, stress, you know, big stages, TV interviews, you know, being heckled, setbacks, you know, all those sort of things at a young age. So you get a quicker level of maturity maybe because of that. Um you know, but also the degree helped because it it reinforces some of maybe the the concerns people have around sports people, whether or not they're just blunt instruments of you know they're naturally physically gifted but not <laughs> gifted in the brain. So it it reinforced at least that I was able to have good personable skills, but then also the ability to back it up on you know emails and. Uh, you know responses and excel spreadsheets and all the other sort of exciting things people do in business are you feeling stuck has conflict got you down have you considered mediation 
Mediation is a confidential and flexible way to resolve conflicts. 86% of all mediations end in a solution, saving time, money, and stress for all involved. Thanet Mediation Center, a Broadstairs consulting initiative, offers mediation services to individuals and organizations in Thanet, Kent, and further afield. For more information or advice, email us at info at broadstairsconsulting.com. We are here to help you move forwards. But I mean, this was about four years ago, right? So you weren't exactly about to land when everything in the world was calm and uh, the economy was booming. Um, (laughs) You were looking to restart your career as the pandemic began. So tell me about that. Yeah, in terms of timing, it probably wasn't (laughs) the greatest period. So it was December 2019 that I retired, uh, the 11th, I believe it is. Uh, Yeah, you know, I had to have an operation just for quality of life. I was like, you know what, I can enjoy Christmas. Wasps were absolutely fantastic. Uh, Die Young and Derek Richardson and the whole organisation, you know, they agreed to pay me the rest of my contract. So that gave me till July financially. They, you know, gave me a bonus, say thank you for everything I've done. So, like, from that element, it was a huge relief, you know, because I had a bit of time to find my feet. I'd had some really good connections of people I was reaching out to. I've been to PwC, KPMG, uh, St. James's Place, some really great places that were affiliated with rugby and was speaking to them, getting some traction. But then, yeah, the pandemic hit and suddenly change freezes and organisation holds and everything like that happened. And I was lucky enough that I knew a few people at at Computer Centre, the organisation I currently work at, and IT was booming. So it was one of the few that was still, you know, was growing and still hiring and interviewed there. And yeah, they said, look, we'll take you on with being successful. And we think this could be an opportunity to take people with a bit of cognitive diversity to come in and and maybe give us a different viewpoint. I was very grateful uh, that Neil Eek hired me, who was, who was there. And yeah, it's knock on wood, it's so far gone really well. But then during that, when I got hired, uh, got the offer in September, I didn't start till January. So then I worked at a local COVID centre. I became site supervisor to pass the time, really, because, you know, I like to be busy. I like to do stuff. And uh, I felt with everything going on, it's a way to give back. You know, I'm not a religious person, but I like to think good things happen to good people. So, I, you know, you always try and help with karma. So I just thought helping out the COVID centre is a way to, you know, give back. I'd been grateful and lucky enough to, you know, to re-emerge and hopefully a new career. So I thought let's, let's, yeah, pass the time. So I worked as a supervisor in the COVID centre, which I didn't see three years prior to that. But <laughs> That's amazing. One of the things um, you hopefully identified is that sport and rugby in particular gives you so many soft skills. But what was it as you straddled all of this consecutive adversity that you learned about yourself? Uh, It's a couple of bits, maybe. One is that, you know, well, it's it's strange because I think everyone always likes to think they're tough you know, and can get through and I always thought I was quite a resilient person, but you don't really know true resilience until it happens. People think, gosh, oh, I failed an exam, or I got a B at A-levels when I should have got an A, oh, life is dreadful, you know. So, it, it, But it's not really, like, in the grand scheme of things, th- there are levels to it, you know, and I think 
clearly people get very stressed by exams. I'm not dis- disparaging that, but it's more, you know, proper life-changing moments that will happen to everyone at some point, be it b- b- bereavement, uh, relationship falling apart. You know, there's a lot of things we hype up in our mind that are important, but actually, you know, they're, they're really not. And so, you know, realising that, gosh, I need friends and family around me. You know, I need that safety net and that strength around me. You know, I can't go out alone. And, you know, when things get tough, you need to be that, you know, you need to support yourself with that strong network. Um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that I've got that friends and family and I appreciate it. not everyone does, but that's why I think you've got to find groups of people then that you can lean on because when things happen, for me, verbalising it, talking to people, just having others around me to help me take my mind off it, it meant I was able to slowly move and I'm a firm believer that time's a great healer. And so having people around you that can, you know, make you laugh when you're struggling or take your mind off it when things are bad, eventually over time, that that setback or difficulty, you know, which was obviously my injury, becomes less and less important as you re-emerge yourself you know it might be as a set of relationship that breaks down but then over time you might find a new relationship so that previous one slowly becomes less relevant as you grow and become a new person and I think having that group around you as you redefine yourself was something that was really important to myself you know so that was that was important and then on the flip side you've got to yeah you know I think stoicism has a very strong place in this world I think You've got to be able to grow from adversity and don't let it overwhelm you. You know, of course, when things get up too much, you've got to speak and you've got to, you know, lean on people. But also, it made me a lot tougher, as I said, to things that weren't as important. You know, I think sometimes you get consumed by, oh, my phone's broken. Woe is me. No, life isn't, you know, focus on the important things in your life. You know, and I think that that's a big thing that I wish I'd known when I was younger and stuff like that, that these small insignificant moments pale in comparison. And, you know, it's not to say, gosh, wait till this big dreadful thing happens to you, but it's to say, put life into perspective, look at the good things in your world. You know, you touched on that. I've probably got a, a sunnier disposition, uh, you know, but that's because, you know, I like to think, uh, you know, I've probably become more grateful about the things that are important to me rather than dwelling on the things that were that weren't uh you know i think in the world we live in where people are so focused on likes or social media clicks and things like that and things that don't even impact our life i think it's important we maybe focus on being in the present and being around people and experiencing things that are important you know that actually make a difference to your life and not insignificant moments that you know mean nothing when you're on your deathbed That perspective is usually one that's only achieved through adversity. So thank you for sharing that. Um, Last question. If you had to, heaven forbid, live your longest day again, what food would you choose to fuel it? (laughs) Well, actually, I I did have half of what I had to on uh, uh, when I got back and I was, uh, you know, obviously feeling sorry for myself. I had half of it. So one of my favourite foods is is burgers, uh, but I like side of Five Guys <laughs> because I I I love like not fancy gourmet burger. I like you know a proper smash dirty burger at times. You know, don't get me wrong, if I had it all the time, I feel horrendous. But occasionally, I absolutely love that. Um, so I absolutely took two double cheese bacon cheeseburgers down with all the all the trimmings. That's incredible. 
And then, but um, and my other favorite thing is buffalo wings, like proper hot buffalo wings with blue cheese sauce. Now, Five Guys, you need to get that on the menu. I'll let them know. Because uh, I, yeah, I wasn't able to order that. But yeah, Five Guys Burger and Buffalo Hot Wings with blue cheese would definitely be my two absolute go-tos. That is brilliant. I am a huge Five Guys fan myself. <laughs> and that's one thing that I am grateful has come across the pond. Um, yeah. Alex, thank you so much for sharing your story with our listeners. Thank you for your candor but also thank you for imploring us to look at the positives to look at the blessings and the privileges that we have the opportunities that have been afforded to us and to take life by the horns it's been really encouraging speaking to you and i hope you've enjoyed being on the longest day it's been amazing thank you for having me You've been listening to a Broadstairs Consulting Limited podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Tune in soon to hear the next installment of The Longest Day. Copyright 2024, production copyright, Broadstairs Consulting Limited, all rights reserved.